you know, because of course rates were going up and everybody was standing around the coffee pot at the office complaining. And he said, don't watch the news and don't read the newspaper. You know, some of it may be true, but very likely it's embellished. Basically, my philosophy is you have no control over the market. We can't control the stock market. We can't control the weather. We can't control the interest rates. You have control over yourself. And so I made a decision back when rates were climbing double digits and the agents were complaining that I couldn't change it. So what I needed to do was find a buyer who could qualify to buy something and then find a seller who was willing to sell. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Belt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Before we begin, here's a word from our sponsor. The real estate market changes every day, and these shifts are causing more confusion and fear than ever. What consumers really want is an expert who can connect the dots and explain their options simply and effectively. Keeping Current Matters is changing the way agents educate their clients by giving you trusted insights that build confidence and timely marketing content that helps you stand out from the competition. Keeping Current Matters makes it easy to be the market expert so you can spend more time on what matters most, your clients. Visit trykcm.com forward slash realtrends to learn more. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business growth, trends, and strategy. I'm your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends. Today, I'd like to welcome Alexis Bolin, a broker associate with Keller Williams Realty Gulf Coast in Pensacola. With her 44 years of experience in the real estate industry, Alexis has seen many different market cycles and changes to the industry, and she's going to share some of her experiences today. So welcome, Alexis. Well, thank you for having me, Tracy. I'm honored. Yes, I'm so happy to have you here. And I want to talk a little bit first about your experience. So you've been in real estate since 1978. You've won many accolades for your performance, training, and mentoring. So tell me about the industry changes that you feel have had the biggest impact on real estate agents over the years. Well, of course, when I came into real estate in 1978, the interest rate was sitting around eight and three quarter percent. And then within a year or two, we were in double digits and we climbed all the way to 18% in Florida. And that had a huge impact back in those days on buying and selling houses because, you know, if you can't qualify at six, you certainly don't qualify for much at 17. But thank God the average sale price in Pensacola at the time was probably around $19,900. So everything is relative. So when we have big swings in the interest rate like that, that's a huge impact on our on our industry. The other impacts have really been technology, Tracy. You know, I mean, I was typing 90 words a minute on an IBM selector and doing just fine. And, you know, we thought we were hot stuff because we had a fax machine. And so, you know, then we gradually went, you know, to pagers and then we, you know, we got PCs and um, then the internet came along in the early 90s, and here we are today. So I think all of those changes have had an impact on the industry. Um, you know, technology has helped us do what we do better. It hasn't taken the place of the human touch. But, you know, the ups and downs, I think, 
really and truly nothing much has changed in real estate and the way we do business because technology just helps us do business. We're still doing business the old way, you know, back in the biblical times, back when the time of the Romans, you know, face to face and belly to belly and eyeball to eyeball. And if I like you, I'm more likely to listen to your pitch. And if I don't like you, you won't get the audience. Yeah, that is so true. I mean, really, real estate is about relationships. And um, and that's something that hasn't changed at all. And so I, I'd like you to offer some advice. I mean, there's some challenges going on right now in the market and and a lot of realtors are new. I mean, we've done some studies that show 25 to 75 percent of all um, agents are new to the business and have never really experienced, you know, a change in the market like they're seeing today. So what is your, what do you, where do you see the biggest challenges um, facing agents? And what is some of your advice for, you've been in the double digit interest rates. What is some of your advice for kind of um, getting business and doing business in this market? Well, probably some of the best advice I got from my original broker who I worked with for 39 and a half years he said, you know, because, of course, rates were going up and everybody was standing around the coffee pot at the office complaining. And he said, don't watch the news and don't read the newspaper. Uh, that's a good piece of advice because, you know, some of it may be true, but very likely it's embellished. And so you basically my philosophy is you have no control over the market. We can't control the stock market. We can't control the weather. We can't control the interest rates. You have control over yourself. And so I made a decision back when rates were climbing double digits and the agents were complaining that I couldn't change it. So what I needed to do was find a buyer who could qualify to buy something and then find a seller who was willing to sell. And my job was to put those two people together, regardless of the rate. It doesn't make any difference what the rate is. Um, you know, I often say to buyers now who are like gasping, for breath because they've just seen 6% when they saw three a couple of years ago, um, that right now you just need to marry the house and date the rate. The rate's going to change. Uh, we're we're going to see rates go up, absolutely, but what goes up must come down. So I would say that right now, these agents need to work on their relationships. We've been order takers at least for the past two years. I mean, the inventory has been low. We've got you know 15 buyers for every house. And that's not going to happen anymore. The other thing is you've got to be able to explain to the seller that that market's over and they're going to have to make some changes. They really are going to have to clean up the house and make some repairs and be responsible for the condition of their home, where as earlier this year or last year, it just didn't make any difference. The buyer would buy it and pay to fix it. They're not going to do that at 6%, maybe at 3 And so... The, the agents also need to, to bone up on their basics. We've gotten away from basics. We've not really had to use any skills. It hasn't been required. So they're going to have to, you know, get um, proficient in their answers to the most common questions that buyers and sellers spring on us. And, and there are common questions. You know, every seller goes to seller school somewhere in the web. And the buyers go to the same school because they all say the same thing. I'm not going to, I'm no hurry and I'm not going to give it away. I mean, like if the next person that I see could tell me something different, I'd be real happy because everybody says the same thing. And the same things with the buyers, you know, well, they're not in a hurry and 
you know, they're not going to overpay for a house. And I mean, you can't overpay because the market is what the market is. And so the market sets the price. We don't set any prices. And I think the sooner that we as agents recognize that we're not at fault for this, this is the market talking. And if we listen to the market, the market tells us what we have to do. We're going to have to buck up, I guess, for lack of a better word, and tell these people the way it is. Agents are too afraid to, to say to the seller, this is the market today. I'm sorry. Last year might have been a real good time for you to sell, but you chose to sell this year. And this year it's changed. And be honest with them. I mean, Tracy, one of my favorite things to say with buyers and sellers is I can tell you the truth or I can tell you what you want to hear. What would you like me to do? And they really want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear it, but down deep inside they do. And so once you ask them for permission to kind of lay it on them, it's, it's okay. But agents are, are so afraid to do that. And we're doing the, the, the folks a disservice. Another thing is to know your statistics. Now more than ever, we're going to have to know the stats. What's your days on the market? What's the days on the market in their particular neighborhood for the type of house they've got? What's the days on the market in your entire MLS? Does it appear to be growing up or going down? You know, I mean, what's the list to sale price ratio? And those are, are um, things that you're going to now have to put into your market analysis or at least put into what I call your arsenal you take in the house with you or when you sit down with buyers to explain the market to show them what's going on so that they understand. And some houses are still going to you know, get multiple offers because they're priced right. And another favorite saying of mine is, Tracy, do you know why the best houses sell quickly? No, why? Because they're the best houses, they're in best condition and they're priced right. Yeah. And the other stuff sits. So that's, that's the market we're in. They need to get educated, which is what you're trying to do right now. And bless you for all you do for the industry because your articles are amazing and there are, there are a lot of wealth of information that people will just listen and read and so you're only as good as the last five books you read and the five people you hang around with the most because you're never going to grow unless you find somebody that's doing more than you are and learn from them so education is paramount and everybody's got good education i would say go out of town and take a class Meet somebody, network, get to know somebody else. Find somewhere you want to take a vacation and find a class somewhere. There's always CRS is ordering, uh, offering classes. I guess it's RRC now. Forgive me. I've been a member so long. And Women's Council, NER has got stuff going all over the place. The states all have things going on. You name it. And there's some sort of a course somewhere that you can go physically take and meet somebody. I went to Destin an hour and a half away yesterday to take a class and to meet new people, to network. Yeah, and um, one of the things I thought was interesting that you, you had said to me in a previous discussion is that you don't have a listing presentation. Um, so I wanted to, a lot of agents are trying to get listings right now. They're, they're trying to build relationships and they're not really sure what to put in their listing presentation. And I remember you answered, well, I don't even have one. 
So <laughs> tell me a little bit about what you do to get a listing uh, and what's worked for you over the years. Well, of course, you know, when I first got a real estate license, you know, ERA was famous for training. And I believe Dale Carnegie even wrote the training. But anyway, we had this flip chart that you sat up on the table and you flipped the pages and you talked about it and all. And I didn't like that whatsoever because I could see the look on the seller's face like, you know, what are you showing me this for? So the way I go about it is I want to talk with you. I want to ask questions. So I will, when I set the appointment with you, Tracy, I will say, so what I'd like to do is come out and talk with you, take a look at your property. And I want to find out what your wants and needs are. What are you trying to accomplish here? Then we'll talk about what's happening in the marketplace. And we'll decide if we can make this happen for you. Would that be okay? So I've got my market analysis done. It's, it's in a folder. I've got answers to everything you may ask me. It's in a folder. But I've got a legal pad. And I'm asking questions. Well, where are you going? Well, how soon do you have to be there? Right? Have you thought about what you might do in the event the house doesn't sell? Now, that's a question everybody should be asking. Because no seller thinks their house isn't going to sell. They all think it's going to sell immediately for over the asking price in these days. And they don't have to do anything. They don't even have to run the vacuum cleaner. But when you ask that question, then they become all of a sudden uh, amazed at they hadn't thought about that. So when you are acting as the real estate consultant versus the salesperson, you are developing a relationship with the seller or the buyer. It doesn't matter which one. Um, and you're sincerely interested in their outcome. So, so those are the questions I want to ask, you know, um, mm -hmm. what do you think the market's doing? Actually, my favorite is what can you tell me about the current real estate market? And then you find out, well, what do you think houses are selling for in this neighborhood? Then they tell you. Mm -hmm. And then they say, oh, my neighbor got $450,000 for their house a month ago. And I say, well, what do you think, you know, how do you think yours compares to the neighbors? Oh, mine's better because I got 100 pound nails in my vault, you know, or some of them will say, well, I don't know. They had a pool and we don't have one. And so I want to know what they're thinking before I go in and tell them what I'm thinking. Because it's more important to know what they're thinking. I already know what I know. Yeah. And I help them in order to overcome their, I would say their their fears, maybe that's not a good word for it, maybe their angst about selling their house is to know where they're coming from. And then once I know where they're coming from, I can direct our conversation in a direction it needs to go. So if I say to you, Tracy, what's the most important thing to you in getting the house sold? Is it the price? Is it the showings? Um, is it the fee you'll have to pay? Is it the closing costs? What, what is it? And then let you answer. So pick one. It's the closing costs. Okay. And what about the closing costs bother you? I just feel like I'm responsible for all of them and I don't want to pay all of that money. And I can understand that. Uh, may I share something with you? Absolutely. The buyer feels the same way. Because here in Florida, our bar association and our state association have put together a form for us to use. 
and they've already decided it's pre-printed on the contract what the seller pays and what the buyer pays. And so we can negotiate that absolutely. However, that's the mindset of anybody that's buying and selling in Florida. So it's probably going to happen that you're going to be paying the stamps on the deed and the other things that are on the pre-printed on the contract. So would you like me to figure those out for you once we pick a price so you can actually see what that would be? Yes, I would love that. Okay. So then you just follow through with that, right? Yeah. You pick the price. So, you know, once you say it's standard, it's pre-printed on the contract, you know, buyers don't like it either because they got something they got to pay. It calms them right down. And in fact, it would behoove every agent to take a copy of their state contract with them on that appointment because then I can whip it out because visual is better than me running my mouth and just show them, look at paragraph nine or whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. you know, and once we decide on a price, we can do our paperwork and get all that done. Then the last thing I do for you, Tracy, is I go through pick with the price that we've selected and I do the closing cost estimate for you. Would that be okay? Yeah. And you move on. You don't freeze up on it. You don't hang up on it and get hung up on the question that they ask you because, uh, you know, if they feel like you're not confident in what you know and who you are, they're not going to be comfortable with you. Yeah, absolutely. And there was, there was one, um, you know, I think one of the biggest objections or maybe not objections, but you had said that, you know, sellers go to some school and they all say the same thing. And in the, the previous market, what they're saying is, well, my neighbor, you know, eight months ago got 20 offers and sold at 60,000 over list price. So I think I need to price my property at this. Um, what, how do you answer that? Well, I'm going to look at where the market is today, and I'm going to look at the last 90 days. And so I would say to you, if you said that to me, oh, Tracy, that's old news. Because what happened eight months ago is not what's happening today. If you don't believe me, look at the stock market. Yeah. So what we have to deal with is today. And what, what happened eight months ago doesn't affect us today. I mean, what if your neighbor lost money eight months ago and today you could make money? Would that make a difference? So what we need to do is concentrate on what people are now paying for what you've got because our interest rate has doubled in eight months. And wouldn't you agree that that makes a difference in the buyers? Yes. And so that's how I go about it. And then I pull out the market analysis, go over it and say, so if you're thinking you want to go, you know, $40,000 over what your last neighbor eight months ago was asking, that's fine if the market will bear it. So pick me three sales amongst the sales that we have here that I can use to defend your list price to the buyer, the buyer's agent, the appraiser, and then finally this person called the underwriter that lives in Des Moines, Iowa, that can, at the stroke of a pen, change that appraisal because they have the right themselves to go on Zillow and decide whatever the price might be and they've never seen the house. So I need three of these to defend your price. And then hush and let them look at the comps. And when they have difficulty doing it, then I say, you can see how difficult this is gonna be 
to fool the appraiser and the buyer and, and you know everybody when there's nothing statistically we can use to defend our position. You know, there's yeah. Tracy, would would you agree, because you've sold houses and bought houses before, that there is no column on the closing statement or on the appraisal for emotional value. Correct. I've never seen a column there for it. The appraiser doesn't get emotional about anything. They're very stoic. They don't care. They're just looking at the condition and what things are selling for and what your amenities are, and it's a bunch of numbers to them. So unless Elvis slipped there, there's no emotional value. <laughs> I like that one. Um, what are some other objections you're seeing out there or or concerns out there? And um, what are you seeing as far as like new agents and the the things that you can offer them as far as advice um, for, for working in this market? Well, for new agents, again, I'm going to go back to education. Mm -hmm. you know, connect yourself to a local expert in your marketplace. I did that when I got my license. I carried Joanne's briefcase. I held over the open house for her. I did everything to learn. Yeah. And do that without expectation of being paid. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody wants to be paid for something. They don't know anything. So I was willing to spend the time to educate myself. And I would say, go do that. You know, take advantage of whatever education is going on in town at your local board at any of the broker's offices. I don't care if you don't work for Keller Williams or Cobalt Banker or Century 21 or Remax. It doesn't matter if they're offering a class and you can take it, go take it um, and learn. And, you know, one of the things I did as a new agent was I was so scared about filling out a contract. So I had a sample contract of every kind of transaction we could do. And I had a little notebook and it was in there and it was all filled out. And so when I had to write an offer, I just opened my notebook and said, oh, this is an FHA loan. And I copied from the notebook. Not one buyer asked me what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, that, they, they had no clue and they didn't care. So so do that. If you have never listed a house before, Take the listing paperwork and list your own house. I don't mean literally. I mean, go out there and do everything you have to do. Fill out every form you've got to fill out, measure the house, gather all the data, and let that be your sample for what you have to do next. So when, when you have to do it really for the first time, you've done it before. And so I would say do those things as a new agent. The other thing is you better hone up on, we call it scripts and dialogues. Everybody hates that. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's call it answers. Yeah. Right. You have to be able to answer the questions of the consumer. Mm -hmm. Much like we go to the doctor, the dentist, the CPA, anybody is giving us answers. I don't think they look at us like we have objections. They look at us like we have questions because we need to be further educated. So every opportunity you get to answer a question for a buyer or seller, then you need to be prepared to do so. Yes, the buyers are gonna whine about the interest rate. I just had one last week and he goes, oh my God, it just went to 6.29. And I said, yeah, thank God it's not 18, call grandma. <laughs> and I started to laugh and I said, it is what it is. So you either want to continue to rent or you wanna get in the game and purchase. Now, there's nothing wrong with renting. I've got several rental houses that somebody like you's already paid for. 
So my suggestion, though, is I'd rather see you as a homeowner, not a home runner. And he's moved on and we're looking at houses. People freeze up when they get questions like that. And you just need to give them a logical answer. When people are emotional, you need to have logical answers. You cannot answer emotion with emotion. You must answer emotion with logic. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, absolutely, because you can't argue with facts and figures and things like that. I mean, yes, you can. Let me back up. Somebody can argue, you know, about a coat hanger if they want to. But the point I'm trying to make is most people are logical. They'll set this emotion aside when you show them something logical. Yeah. And what about marketing? I mean, really, you haven't, um, you know, agents really haven't had to do a ton of marketing for the properties that they've had listed because things sold so quickly. Um, what are some some strategies or, or tips you have as far as marketing properties? I know most of your business is probably referral and repeat, um, but not everybody has a lot of referral or repeat yet. So um, what do you what suggestions do you have? So I would say this, Tracy, and you of all people know this better than I do because you have, uh, you're the expert in marketing. Sellers buy the marketing, the buyers buy the house. Yeah. Right? Very few of us can attribute our wonderful marketing to the sale of the house. You know, you're adding the newspaper, buyer calls on an ad in the paper, my experience is, and that's not going to plan out, play out for them but you tell them about another house or you work with them, you find them something else. But the sellers are are interested in that. So you've got to sharpen what you're doing. You know, you've got to make sure that it is magazine pretty when you do ads, whether it's on the internet, whether you're mailing a postcard, you're putting it in a magazine, you're putting it in a newspaper. I say, get back to basics, you know, start doing direct mail. Get back in your newspaper. I know they're getting skinnier, but there are still a lot of people out there, demographics that read it, and my kids read it online. And so get back to doing those things. Statistics, always tell them what's going on in the marketplace. Have something fun. Each month or each quarter, you can do a contest, and you can send out something or post something on social media that says, we're going to give away an Echo Dot this month to, you know, to the first two people that answer this question or whatever. Um, I have to put a disclaimer in that you better check with your state's laws on that before you do a contest. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I agree with that. I agree yeah. with that. Um, and check with your state's laws on any of your marketing because True. sometimes I get marketing all the time from other agents. I don't know why they don't know I'm an agent after 44 years here, but that's okay. And you can't even find the name of the brokerage on there. So whatever the state requires you to put on there, whatever size the phone number and the name's got to be, you absolutely must comply. The other thing that you can do relatively inexpensively now is take advantage of the post office's uh, EDDM mailing, which, you know, they'll do a blast mailing to 5,000 people and, you know, and it's it's like 18 and a half cents or something versus the 45 or 50 cents we got to pay for a letter. So think outside the box. You know, with marketing, I think you have to be unique. It has to be something very interesting or don't bother. I mean, just a plain old soul card or or just listed card doesn't work anymore. 
one of the great results I had, and I've dug it back up again, I'm starting to use it again, was a postcard I did with a little cartoon guy stacking boxes, moving boxes. And on the card, it said, save your boxes, your neighbors are moving. We just sold the house at 123 Elm Street. And we have more buyers, blah, blah, blah. I can't tell you how many people call me and said, where do I need to take the boxes? <laughs> <laughs> which gave me an opportunity to talk to them yeah. otherwise you've got 30 seconds maybe you've got 20 seconds from wherever the mail lays in the kitchen to the garbage can and so send them something of value the other thing that i've resurrected is i started household hints years ago so you know there's 10 things you can do with vodka besides drink it <laughs> you know there's 15 things you can do with, do with wd-40 and what you can do with bounce besides put it in your dryer people, it's like tiktok in uh in right written form <laughs> and people keep those do you know that i was at an event in destin yesterday and there was a title company lady there and she said to me i still have your recipe cards <laughs> And I think, oh, my God, I've done those years. But I did it. And I started something called What's Cooking in Other People's Kitchens. That was my recipe card. And so I would say to you, Tracy, give me one of your favorite family recipes. Now, can we go online today and get everybody's recipe in the world that's a chef or whatever we can? But, you know, I might not be able to get Tracy's grandma's apple cake. And that makes a difference because. It's a personal thing. And so when I ask the clients to give me their recipes, I make extra cards and I give it to them to give out to their friends and at church or wherever. And I mail it out and it's got their name on it. You know, what's cooking in other people's kitchen, Tracy's grandma's favorite apple cake, you know, and I yeah. got the name on it. Yeah. So they've got to get more personal with these people. Can they do it in a podcast? They certainly can. Mm -hmm. uh, but I find that they keep the printed stuff. I, I really do. I find they keep it. Yeah. So something of value that they can keep. The other thing is contacts with your clients. Ha have a party. Tie it to charity. We have a we have a pie party every year. God, I've tried to get rid of this pie party for 40 years and can't because they like it. They can all buy pies. I don't get it. But we ask them to bring canned food for the okay. food bank. And they mm -hmm. all come. And it's a way to touch them. Tie something to charity. The other thing is get involved in your community. Yeah. Find something you're passionate about. Yeah, definitely. Right? Let the people see you doing good in the community. Not just as the real estate agent that they think that we're just out to get some money or to tell them what they want to hear so we can grab their money and run. Mm -hmm. No. You're a member of the community, you're doing things, you're Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts at the church, at the school, whatever, the Cancer Society, you know, get out there and make yourself known and visible. You know, your your brand depends on you. Yeah. And if you came to Pensacola and asked for who's three good realtors to call, very likely I'm going to be in those three. And it's because of the branding over the years. Mm -hmm. So you want to be branded as a person who's knowledgeable, somebody who's highly respected, and somebody who's community-oriented. 
Yeah. So we're at the end of our podcast. So yeah. last words, um, you know, what do you what do you have to say to agents who are feeling a little uncertain about the market? Three three activities they can do today. Well, again, you can't change the market. So they're going to have to amp up their prospecting. Um, they need to contact people they have not been in contact with for a while and, and get back to the database that they've got. Um, so I would concentrate on that because that's where most of the money is going to come from. I would up my educational skills. Uh, I, would, I would learn more um, and I would definitely be taking classes on negotiations, scripts and dialogues and pricing. I mean, you know, NAR's got a, a pricing strategy designation. Uh, and so I would de definitely do that because you've got to hone those skills. Those are the three things that I would do. And lastly, I would say, don't give up. Too many people are going to give up because this interest rate is going to go even higher than what it is now. And too many people are going to give up and don't give up. If this is your passion, if real estate is what you truly want to do, then hone your skills and learn to do better. And then the ones who don't feel like real estate's for them, they're the ones that will quit. And that's fine. We have a cleansing every so many years. And I've lasted, this starts my 45th year in real estate. I would say if you, if you will hone those three skills, then you can outlast anything. Yeah. Well, Alexis, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. I really appreciate you taking time to be on the Real Trending podcast today. My pleasure. May I share one last thing with you? Absolutely. With the buyers and the sellers, I want to know if they're committed to doing what's necessary to get the house sold or to buy. So I would say stop working with people who are not committed. Right? They're, they're suspects. They're not prospects. And so stop working with people like that. So I want to share with you the difference between committed and involved. The next time you have breakfast, I want you to take a look at your bacon and eggs. And I want you to know that the chicken was involved, but the pig was committed. <laughs> and so that's what I say to the buyers and sellers. Are you going to be committed with me? And once they give you that commitment, it doesn't have to be in writing. They'll do what's necessary or they'll start backing up and you'll be like, well, maybe now's not the time. Great advice. And, and I love the way you phrase things. So thanks so much, Alexis. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.